We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Jolly John Lekomsky coming to you from my uh, office in my home in New Athens, Illinois. And this is Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark coming to you from my office at Ascension Lutheran Church in South St. Louis. And uh, together we are wrestling, wrestling with, with the, basics. the basics. Okay, Matt, before we go any further, I have some good news to share with you. Uh, we just finished our Southern Illinois District Convention uh, a couple of weeks ago. And while I was at the convention, three different people, three different people came up to me and, and said that they, they just love our show. They love listening to Wrestling with the Basics. Um, and so think about that. Our viewership has tripled. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. There's at least three people out there listening to Wrestling with the Basics. So so instead of just my wife, we now have my wife times three. (laughs) So fantastic. How about that? Boy, I tell you what, we're gonna be just scooting right up the scale there. (laughs) Watch out. the, The convention's every three years, is that right? What's that, Matt? The convention is every three years. Is that how it yep. works? Yeah, every three years. Although we 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 delayed for a year because of COVID. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, okay. um, but, I'm thinking, uh, yeah. <clears throat> every three years, we pick up three more listeners. We're, we're on our way, John. We're on <laughs> That's our way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> By the time you get old enough to retire, we might have a dozen. <laughs> wow. Double digits. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, Matt, we have some business. We need to we need to get here get on here because we have business from last week. Uh, you shared with us the story about uh, uh, Jesus calling the disciples, um, but you also said. It was. You wanted to talk about the frustration of being a fisherman, uh, because that day, of course, yes. they caught a enormous catch of fish. But sometimes you go fish. Well, as it happened that day too, right? That day too, they had thrown out nets and hadn't caught anything. Um, well, go ahead. What was the point you wanted to make exactly. about that? So, Matt? so yeah, you hear the frustration in Peter's voice. Pat, Master, you know, speaking to Jesus, we have toiled all night and took nothing, right? Uh, and yet. At your word, I will go out and cast my net. And then after that, Jesus commissions him to be a fisher of men, uh, to catch men alive. Uh, And then we got talking about, well, you know, that's our job too. Uh, Whatever our vocations are in life, whether we're pastors or policemen or plumbers, uh, doesn't matter. We're also called as Christians to be fishers of men in addition to that. And throughout our lives and our vocations to go out and to, to cast the net. And we talked about that net is the gospel. The net is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's it's God's word. And there's times in our lives where we cast that net, it seems, and we just come up empty. And we have the same frustration, perhaps, that Peter has. Uh, Lord, we have toiled all night and we've caught nothing. Uh, and in terms of catching people, sometimes we feel that way. Uh, you know, maybe it's an adult son or daughter that, you know, for them, their faith life is just not a big priority. And maybe we've invited them to come to worship, even worship with us, maybe. And for whatever reason, they've just turned us down on that invitation. Uh, 
uh, or maybe it's a, a grandchild. I hear this sometimes. It's a grandchild, and for whatever reason, the grandchild's parents just don't want to have the, the child baptized. And maybe we've talk, talk, told them and explained to them and, and just admonished them about the, the importance of baptism, and the great blessing it is. Or maybe it's a, a co-worker that just doesn't want to hear what we have to tell them about Jesus uh, and his love for them. You know, whatever it is, there's times where we cast the net of the gospel and it just seems to come up empty and we get frustrated and ready to even give up maybe. Um, and it's during those times that I think we remember what you brought up at the end of the show last week, John, that that's what we're called to do is, is share the gospel, share the word, cast the net. But the catch is, is not in our hands, right? I know that the catch of people is is the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit working through his word. Uh, just like the, that miraculous catch of fish was the work of God that day on the Sea of Galilee. And you had compared that to a, a farmer, right? So it, it's not just about a, a fisherman fishing for fish, but there's another comparison of farmers sowing seed and how that farmer just sows the seed and whether it produces a large crop or even what soil it falls on, that's not up to the farmer. He's just called to, to sow the seed, to sow the seed of the word. Uh, the other image I, I thought of was a watchman. Uh, watchman in the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, how a watchman stands on the city wall and keeps watch. And when there's danger, sounds the alarm. And whether or not the inhabitants of the city heed that warning, well, that's that's not really up to the watchman. His job is to just simply sound the alarm. Uh, so for us, um, you know, our job is to, to show the seed of the word, to sound the alarm, to cast the net, to share the gospel. Uh, we pray that the Lord would help us in doing that. And just entrust to him what comes of that. And we pray that, you know, by the power of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, that people would indeed be brought into the boat of the church, that they would believe, uh, that they would come to faith in Christ, faith would be strengthened. But again, that's that's not in our hands. No, that's in the hands of the Lord. So, so Matt, uh, let me give you a, a concrete example of of, of that. Uh, uh, I'm, I, my dear pastor, uh, Pastor Lyle Bittner, uh, when he came here, uh, very faithful, uh, contacted uh, weekly every Sunday afternoon. That was his uh, challenge to contact inactive members in the church, and he would contact them repeatedly. Um, and, and the thing is, he said, but John, nobody responds. <laughs> no, nobody comes. What, what's that all about? And I said, yeah, well, that's pretty much how it works, Lyle. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. You, you contact your inactives and nothing, nothing seems to happen. Uh, uh, in fact, that's when I first realized the truth of that parable about the sower sows the seeds and three quarters of it doesn't doesn't do anything. I thought, well, that's the, that's what real life is. You know, that's actually how it happens out in, in, in your ministry. But I also told him, you know, what I found is that a lot of my inactives, when they get older, when they get in a nursing home or they find themselves housebound, it's remarkable how then they are very willing and excited even to see me come by and to bring them the Lord's Supper. And, and so you're absolutely right. We have no idea when the Lord's going to bring people to faith. And as another parable tells us, sometimes he doesn't bring them to faith until the very last hours of the day. And yet those people are going to get the same reward as those 
those he brought into the fields early in the morning. So, uh, yeah. yeah, all we got to do is let people know that God loves them. I, I know there are people that have come to faith probably through wrestling in the basics. And if, if that's possible, why then it's possible for anybody. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> bring people to the faith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit can work through all sorts of instruments, even uh, <laughs> yeah. even the rest of the base. Even rest of the Thanks basics. be to God. Uh, uh, we, we are a weekly demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because <laughs> it's not a... It is not of men, but yeah. of the Spirit. That is I, for sure. Just one one other quick thing that I'll, I'll be done with, with that account, John. But I, yeah. I, again, you know, during those times when we feel frustrated and we've labored and, and we've shared the gospel, it seems to be come up empty. You know, I think the other comfort is, you know, one, right, it's in, in God's hands. But the other comfort, I think, is just that um, Jesus never gave up on his mission mm -hmm. to save us. Uh, he was frustrated. Jesus was rejected. Uh, his teaching was ignored. People closed their ears when he shared the word of life with them. And yet, what did Jesus do? He still preached. He still taught. He still went to the cross. He still rose from the dead. Uh, he still time and again in his own preaching, uh, cast the net of the gospel, proclaim the kingdom of God is here. Um, so take heart to, in knowing that uh, that same Savior uh, th that's yours, that, that doesn't give up on you, right? His mission to save you also fulfilled his mission to save all people. And we pray that uh, by faith they would see that and that they would rejoice in that. Let, let, let me give you an analogy along those same lines. Because this coming week, I'm going to be preaching on Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. And of course, you got some really tough words there about turning the other cheek. And oh, if yeah. someone takes your cloak from you, well, then give them your, your, uh, uh, whatever it is. <laughs> the other thing, tunic. Yeah. tunic, thank you. <laughs> your cheese pants, as we talked about cheese last pants. Give me your cheese pants as well. Yeah. And, and if they slap you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. And, and I'm thinking, that is that, who would ever do that? And then I realized, oh, oh, that, that, is a description of exactly what Jesus does for us all the time. Yes. So you're absolutely right in what you said. He just never, ever gives up on us. And so so with that knowledge, then God help us that we never give up on anybody else either. Yeah. So any last thoughts about that, man? No, I think that about covers it, John. Thanks for letting me share a little carryover from last yeah. week's episode, yeah. too. Thanks. Well, we, what we want to talk about is another frustrating thing we have with Jesus. Uh, uh, not only doesn't it always work when we catch out our nets, but sometimes it doesn't seem like Jesus is there helping us the way he should help us. Uh, it is the year of Luke. We got another Luke in text. Uh, I want to share with you a couple of insights that Pastor Bittner uh, shared with us here at the parish in St. Paul, New Athens. But if you could read, Matt, Luke chapter 41, uh, and, and we'll just start at verse 31. We're not going to deal with this in detail, but just a couple of points I, I want to pick out. So if you could okay, read great. there. Yeah, Luke chapter 4, verse 31, it says, And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his—is this the right text, John? This yeah. is it. You got okay, it. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. When the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. 
and reports about him went into the, every place in the surrounding region. So, so Pastor Bittner pointed out that the operative word here, the word that is repeated, is authority. That Jesus' word has authority, okay? That's what it says. His word possessed authority. He says it again, for with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits. And, of course, that's, that's how he demonstrates his authority in this case, by rebuking, by rebuking a demon. And the demon just leaves, leaves the man. <laughs> There's no argument, no struggle. He just packs up his bag and heads out. Now, read the next story, because I'd never noticed this before, but the word rebuke will come up again. I think I just need verses, uh, uh, oh, yeah, all, all the way to the end, I guess, 38 to uh, 41, it looks like. Okay, 38 to 41? Right. Okay, and he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her, and, oh, here's that word, John, like you said, yeah, rebuked, yeah. rebuked the fever. And it left her, and immediately she rose and began to serve them. I, on second hand, let's now, just well, stop. Let's just stop okay. right there. That, that'll work. Because, uh, yeah, that was the insight that uh, Pastor Bittner had that I had never really noticed before, that the word rebuked is used twice there. Uh, first of all, in reference, of course, to demons, but also in reference to this illness, this this uh, high fever that Simon's mother-in-law, and with the same results. He rebukes the fever now, and, and the fever is gone. The fever is gone. Um, and so that was his point, that, that rebuking goes with the word authority. If you, you can't rebuke something unless what, Matt? Unless you have authority, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to have authority over it in order to rebuke it. And it reminded me of a story about my grandkids, because I have one grandson, Eric, who's, who's 17, uh, 17 years old. And, of course, I've got a granddaughter in that same family, Lauren, who's only 12. Um, and, of course, did, did, Matt, did you have brothers or sisters? Uh, growing up, no, no, just a uh, only oh, child, John. Yeah, I forgot like you, you and I, right? Yeah, we were only children, <laughs> so we didn't have anybody to boss around then. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but but Eric really thinks he should be able to boss around his sister because he's seventeen. Uh, do what? Well, do you get any of this with Noah and 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 your daughter? Oh, of course, they're boss around no better than them. Yeah, they're just a little sibling. What do they know? <laughs> 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 and of course, Lauren's answer always is, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> okay? Your mom tells me something, I'm going to do it. Dad tells me something, I'm going to do it. Well, maybe not always in those cases either. But they have the authority to rebuke. But you, my brother, don't have the authority. So I thought, well, that is a good point, uh, that, that in order to rebuke something, you need to have the authority. And that was Pat, Pastor Bittner's uh, point, which I think is really a comforting one. Uh, whatever our listeners are struggling with, uh, be it demons, be it illness, whatever it is, you need to know that all evil is under the authority of Jesus Christ. He literally has absolute control of every wicked, evil thing uh, from the devil, from the world, from our own flesh even. Uh, he has absolute authority over this. Now, here's the problem, Matt. Why doesn't he exercise that authority, especially in terms of our illnesses? Um, I pulled my arm uh, a week ago uh, doing something I probably should have known better, and my arm still hurts to this day. 
Okay, it's been a whole week, and it's getting a little bit better, but I'm debating, do I go to the doctor or don't I? Uh, so, so how do you answer that question? Why doesn't Jesus rebuke the illness in our world today? Yeah, that's a good question, John, because I think illness and the demon, I think they're related, right? Yeah, this this yeah. fever and even this demon possession, we, we might see as, oh my goodness, demon possession, that's that's a terrible thing. The fever, well, that's not that big of a deal. But I, I think both of them really are a result of this sinful, fallen, imperfect world. A world where, yeah, yeah the, the devil is active and there are demons. A world where there are fevers. And Jesus coming into this world, he breaks into that and announces, yeah, his kingdom is here. His kingdom is here. His reign is here. And we see that in both these accounts. So why isn't he doing something about it, Matt? So that's the struggle, John, is why, you know, why, especially today, why in our lives, why does Pastor Jolly John have a hurt arm, right? Yeah. Um, does Jesus still have authority? Well, yeah, most definitely. All authority is still his. Um, but he chooses not to maybe display that authority in specific ways in our lives, um, at least not in the here and now. Um, yeah, so that's that's a tough one, John. And, you know, to be honest, I don't think we have a clear answer as to why God does or does not heal in every specific circumstance. And we have this insight in Jesus' ministry revealed to us in God's Word, but when it comes to our own lives, oh, boy, we, we just have to commit it into his hands. So, so the, the things that, that occurred to me, Matt, is, is that, number one, I think we need to realize that Jesus wasn't healing everybody when, when he lived on the earth either. Uh, we sometimes forget, and now he's in Capernaum, and, and he's healing a whole bunch of people in Capernaum. But at the same time, there were people in, uh, say, uh, 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 um, uh, Jericho uh, that weren't being healed. Uh, yeah. There yeah. were people in Bethsaida that weren't being healed. In fact, uh, according to the biblical record, it doesn't seem like he hardly healed anybody at all in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the big uh, metropolis. You'd think there would have been all kinds of people he could have healed there, but uh, there's only one incident of anybody being healed, and that was that uh, uh, paralyzed guy at the Pool of Bethsaida. So, so, number one, it's not like he was healing everybody back in those days either. There were well, people yeah. sick and dying. Yeah, um, and I, you know, that, that was just in the account right before this, John, you know, pointing out that, you know, even in, in Elisha's day, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Naaman the leper is healed from a foreign land, and yet there's lots of lepers in, in Israel that weren't healed. So that's that's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's a great example, Matt. I didn't even think about that. And like you say, that's in the whole context of this story that Jesus says that and all the time when God healed. He never healed everybody. In fact, what's kind of ironic about that story, as you pointed out, is he actually healed the people you did? You think he wouldn't have healed? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The <laughs> okay. Gentiles, the outsider. Yeah. 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 Exactly. yeah. Um, and then the other thought I had is that see the thing is he is healing. He is healing. He's healing all the time. Uh, you fell out of a tree, <laughs> you <laughs> silly guy. And and are you how you Thanks doing for now? Reminding Matt? me, John. <laughs> You're doing better, aren't you? You're doing yes, better. Yes. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Yes. Yeah. And and I had a major heart attack. I could have died, and I'm I'm doing fine. I, I I'm that that seems like that's pretty well all. So, but see, the problem is we forget that that's Jesus doing the healing. 
uh, there will be a whole host of people released from the hospital today, and they will be better because Jesus healed them. Uh, now, it will seem like it was the medicine. It will seem like it was the doctors. And yet we know from our own experience, these guys can't cure everything. And, and a lot of times the things that they should be able to cure, they don't cure. Uh, so the fact of the matter is their successes are really the work of God using them as his instruments. See? Yes. Uh, and and that's the thing that dawned on me too that I'd never thought of before. That's how God works. He he wants to use. Uh, Luther calls them masks. Masks. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, that that God does these things, but you don't see God doing it. You see the doctor doing it. You see the medicine doing it. But really, the one behind those masks is is, is uh, the Lord Jesus, who is at work. Uh, now, let me ask you one other question. Then, so why is that? Because uh, I I have a new answer that I'd never dawned on me before. But I'm just, why does God use masks? You think why doesn't He just heal people? You know, you go in as a pastor and you pray over them and they're immediately healed. Why does he instead let doctors and medicine seem to do the job? Yeah. And it's it's not that he couldn't do it. You know, God has the power to, to heal immediately. No and doubt about it. And he does sometimes. He does. Sometimes, doctors no will tell you about things that are miracles in their eyes. Go ahead. But yeah, I mean, that's how God operates, it, not just with healing physically, but even our, our spiritual healing and forgiveness. He works through those masks, I guess you could call them, of bread and wine, of water, and the sacraments. God works through the his creation, even, to, to bring about healing, to bring about forgiveness. Uh, but yet he is the one still working. He's the one behind that. And it gives us the opportunity to, to serve him in our vocations. What a joy to know that the Lord is, is working through me. In various ways. So the thought that occurred to me, so we were also reading through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and, and we had the story in Mark where he's going to heal a blind man. But before he heals the blind man, he takes him out of the village. And after he heals him, actually gives him strict instructions not to go back into the village. And there's these stories all the time where Jesus does these miracles, but he, he, he's hidden there too. He doesn't want people to know that he's the one that did the miracle. And it dawned on me, Matt, I think the thing is, it's because he's humble. See, see, if I had the power to heal people, believe you me, I'd let everybody know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, look at me. Look what I. But but it occurred to me. This is just the nature of God. He he's humble. He he, he doesn't want to draw attention to himself. Uh, and, and like you said, that's true spiritually too. He just works faith. He loves us. He cares for us. He forgives us. And he does it all in this very hidden fashion because that's his nature. He doesn't want to draw attention to himself. He just humbly, well, isn't that what it said? He comes in on a donkey humble, humbly, it says of his entrance in Palm Sunday. And and idonomy, that's just the nature of Jesus Christ to do all these things, but not in such a way that we would be drawing attention to him, but just because he loves and he cares for us. So there's no pride involved in it. We do so many things out of pride. We want people to see how good we are and what we've done. But for God, it's it's all about love. No, no pride involved at all. Um, any thoughts about that, Matt? Yeah, I would just say, uh, so yeah, the answer is he does heal today, and he heals through masks and, and his people and instrument, other instruments. But I would say, too, you know, he will heal. And we think about the last day uh, when he comes and he's not 
humble and in humility, but really, I mean, in his glory, his power. And one day, those who are in Christ, uh, we whatever our ailment is, we will be restored. Our bodies will be like his glorious body. And so on that last day, he will restore. He will heal. No doubt about it. Uh, that's his promise. And and thank you for that, Matt, because that's the thing we need to remember. We haven't seen the end of the story, right? Peter is throwing out a net and not catching anything, and he pretty well is despairing, but he didn't see the end of the story yet, did he? The miraculous catch that he would have before the day was over. Our day isn't over yet either, and trust me, you're right. We are going to experience some truly miraculous healings beyond anything that we would have expected or that any doctor could have done. However, as as we close this episode, there's an even better thing that Jesus is going to do by the authority of his word, and we'll talk about that next week. This has been Wrestling with the Basics. <laughs> <laughs>